Like a deer in the headlights or gum in your hair, what got you here will not get you there. Join us as business owners get unstuck in real time on the business building struggles we all share. Welcome to the Business Breakthrough Podcast. And here's your host, Esty Rand. Welcome to episode 99, guys, 99, oh my gosh, of the Business Breakthrough Podcast. I have a really fun guest today, David Sixnaz. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. I'm excited. Guys, David is the CEO of Printful, one of the market's leading print-on-demand dropshipping businesses with more than 700 employees and five fulfillment centers in North Carolina, California, Mexico, and Latvia, where he's actually based. The company's fulfilled more than 13 million items since its founding in 2013. Yeah, that's a lot of stuff. Recognized as a Forbes 30 under 30 entrepreneur in Latvia, Davis has a decade of experience working in one of Latvia's pioneering IT companies, which is a name I cannot pronounce. Dave, how do you pronounce it? Drag, drag, just say it. What is it? Draugen Group. Yeah, okay, so I'm glad I didn't even try. <laughs> That's a lot of It's Yeah, and I'm um, definitely an American pronouncer. <laughs> he joined in 2009 and soon became involved in a number of ongoing projects, eventually channeling his efforts into developing the group's vision of a print-on-demand service known today as Printful. 2014, he graduated from the University of Latvia with a degree in economics with a focus on international relations. During his studies, he spent a year at the University of Wisconsin, Eclair, successfully combining work and academics. His IT background, business ambition, and determination is what has helped transform Printful into a multi-location printing, warehousing, and tech company that's been listed as one of the fastest growing companies in the US. Very. Very impressive. It's really cool. So many fun things for us to discuss. Um, drop shipping is such a big deal, becoming an even bigger deal as you know the days go by of the world being locked in their homes. Um, I'd love to hear a little bit about your journey. You know, from employee to it sounds like did you? It sounds like you started managing this as an employee and now you run it. Like how did what happened there? You know, our story is, I think, is pretty unique. So a little about more about myself. I've always kind of was interested in IT from about age of 13 or 14. I kind of self-taught to make simple websites for friends, for neighbors. You know, I you know, got paid for making simple websites as a teen. And and then when I when I was 18, I was, uh, you know, moving from my small town in Latvia to the, to the capital city. And I was looking for a job that will I will have in addition to to you know studying university. Very very common thing to do for for the students at least in Latvia and and uh, you know with a living capital. So at the time, um, the hottest company to join in Latvia was Draugen.lv. That's the name you couldn't pronounce, Draugen Group. And what yeah. that you know company did, it's um, basically took the you know idea of Friendster, the first ever social network that appeared before MySpace, before Facebook, and adapted. I remember Friendster. I, yeah. I am that old. I remember Friendster. Okay. So yeah, so when the Friendster became a thing, um, you know, there there were you know, social networks like that appearing around the world, and you know, the founders of Draugame just took a Friendster concept, localized it, and made Draugame. Draugame means for friends in Latvian. So just a cool. 
you know, social network for friends, right? And it was a fast growing internet company, went viral, it was a social network after all, and it was the hottest thing to join. And, and my, my cousin was working as an as a iOS developer. That was also the time that iPhone was just uh, came out and, you know, the apps were start, starting to become a thing. So he worked there as an iOS developer. He was 18, uh, well, actually 17 when he started. And the company was about 30 people and, uh, you know, I got, got referred because they had an IT position, an IT specialist position, an uh, administrator, somebody who's going to tend printers and help people use their computers. Uh, you know, I, as a bit of, you know, coding that I did and I worked summer jobs, uh, fixing computers, uh, I got in. I was able to, you know, get that job at 18 and, you know, it's a startup company, so they didn't really care much about the previous experience, you know, unless you, you know, you're, you were passionate, did good work, you know, was quick to learn new, th new things and new stuff pops around the company all the time. You know, in small companies, everybody needs to wear multiple hats. So this it was not uncommon that one employee who had like one job would do many other things. Right. So it was very quickly on as an IT administrator, they, you know, had a need for, somebody who would manage certain things, you know, projects. And, and I just uh, volunteered to do stuff like that. And then very quickly, in addition to being an IT admin, I started doing various kinds of IT projects. They knew I, I knew, you know, I was not a coder. I would quickly re recognize that I would not be a very good software developer, but, you know, I really liked the concept of turning an idea of an IT idea into a business. So, you know, good IT teams is that, you know, usually you need a software developer, you need a business person who can get all those business terms, uh, you know, handled, manages everything. And ideally you have two other people, but not always. You, and then one is a designer. And the, the fourth one is somebody who handles the marketing. So very quickly, I just started working on projects that the social network needed. Uh, and, um, you know, the, the team and a developer and a designer and me. And, uh, you know, the founders of the social network are really entrepreneurial, serial entrepreneurs. So over the course, which is now a 15 year, 15 year plus history, uh, founders have launched more than a hundred business ideas. Oh my gosh. Okay. I've known serial entrepreneurs, but I don't know if I've known any individual who's done more than a hundred businesses. That's, that is just so many. Do they sleep, yeah. eat robots? <laughs> uh, I guess I, you know, people who just have tons of ideas and machines. So, the, you know, the, those two, so I joined those two original guys who started the social network as a project manager. So as you said, as an employee and, uh, you know, they have just this philosophy, you know, if you launch hundred business ideas, maybe one to 10 is going to make it, you know, it's going to survive and maybe one or two or three is going to really become, you know, an excellent large business. And that's essentially what happened. Because if you go on Drogging Group's website at the time, there's not 100 business ideas anymore. There's about 10 or less left because, uh, you know, others didn't survive and, and that's just how business works. And uh, you have to try, you know, uh, you know, founders of Drogging Group, that was not their first idea. That was not their first business. That was maybe, you know, third or fourth one that became successful. And then they had many others that didn't go, you know, didn't work. And eventually we got you know, the, the printful. So anyway, so I started as an employee and I was managing projects and uh, I was going through my studies uh, at the same time as well. And I was always kind of interested in American culture. And uh, that was 
I always wanted to study there and I had an opportunity to get a scholarship and I did an exchange year in Wisconsin uh, in Eau Claire. I was a liberal arts college. I really liked that you could pick your, you know, degree, uh, pick your courses. I didn't pursue can't do that in Latvia because uh, all American university, really, they just tell you what you're taking. It's like, here, here's your schedule. Yes, exactly. Uh, oh, you know, wow. UK, UK might have that, um, uh, uh, like the uh, United States, but in Latvia, generally, it's like, here's your class schedule, and, you know, you pick your, you know, major or your degree at the very first. And then they map the whole thing out for you. I mean, I could hear the benefits, right? Because, and you only did one year in American University, but um, I just remember, you know, if you didn't register on time or if you weren't part of, like, the early group, like, you might not get the classes you need. You might not get the classes. Some people don't didn't get the classes they needed to graduate because um, they had to pick them themselves. So there's faults in both systems. How'd you learn English so well though? Is English a regular language in Latvia? Well, most Europeans have to learn English from the first grade. And now I think even in kindergarten, I started in really? third grade. Um, but, uh, you know, when I was finishing high school, I was, uh, you know, I wanted to study abroad at some point. And I, I, I just listened to a lot of podcasts you know, that was in the early on. I, like my, when I was in a, in a teen, um, my passion was movies. So listen to, you know, the movie blog podcast. I don't know if it's around, you know, with Canadian, but, I, you know, Canadian language is easy. I, their version of English is, you know, I learned through that. I listened to BBC. Yeah. I listened to NPR. So I just listened a lot, watch movies yeah. and, you know, just put in the work. But really like the, you know, what helped me and changed me was that one year, you know. Yeah, you, immersion. Uh, Totally. Yeah, immerse yourself in in US and in Wisconsin, and and that really changed me. And like, you know, and that and I picked courses that uh, just was interesting to me, general business courses. But as a non-American, I picked a lot of marketing courses that taught about how to market or sell something to you know American culture. Uh, and we, we were learning about American generations, how. You should talk differently to the baby boomer generation and generation X and so on. So that yeah. you know, really, really came in handy uh, later when we got to, to Printful. So, but at the same time, when I was in university in US, I really kept in touch and I kept working part-time at Drogan Group. So I never really gave up. And, and it, so I'm kind of, I, I like that idea that you, you don't always have to 100% focus on one thing and just put all your eggs in one basket. So... Uh, I was, you know, uh, we at the Dragon Group, we were always doing multiple projects at the same time in multiple different companies and different ideas. And at the same time, like, it's fine that you have university and you have, might have this job, you might have another job. You know, it's, I think it's fine to do multiple things at the same time. And one, one, when one thing starts working, then focus on it. Because for a yeah. very early, early, early years at Printful, we we actually kept other projects going, and when Printful just became so overwhelmingly large, then we just focused on it, and that's only been you know we are in seven years right now, and I think maybe, uh, maybe in the last two or three years we just really focused on Printful and dropped everything else. So, I think that's really important for everyone listening because you know so many people think the business journey is linear, right? Even though everyone who's been on a successful business journey says it's not, but it doesn't matter. <laughs> There's still this idea of like, you know, it starts and it works and it gets better and then it works better and then it's successful. And, uh, you know, I also, when I started, I was doing multiple things before my current business really took off. And I know so many people who do 
you know, go out there, you're trying different things and that's okay. You don't have to, you could try just one thing, right? If that's your bandwidth and that's your personality type, but it's also okay to attempt multiple things and then see what's taking off. And sometimes just attempting, let's say in the same company, multiple marketing messages. You don't have to get it right the first time. I think that's such a strong message for people. It's okay to get it wrong a few times, to get the different ideas wrong a few times, and just settle all in on something when it starts to really work. I like that a lot. Right. Yeah. So, you know, to, to continue where I was about, there's multiple lessons along the way. But yeah. so, like, I learned a bit about marketing to the US. You know, we even, I even managed one project for my dorm room in Wisconsin, I was a developer in Latvia. And so, the, the same year I was in the US, an, another co founder of Turnful moved to Los Angeles uh, with his wife. and started working there and the, the why he did that was that you know we kind of achieved a reasonable level of success in Latvia it was that social network and, and Latvia is a country of two million people you really want to go beyond the borders right and yeah uh, what, California what is, has like uh what is it 40 million people in the state of California so it's a little different yeah it's way more so at the time and still to this day there's almost no better market than the United States to, you know, become an entrepreneur, to start uh, doing something. Because uh, something I really like about U.S. that even the small niche ideas can become really large. Like, you know, even if I look at a printful, now we have 800 employees. Uh, but, uh, at, at the, you know, in, if I did something like printful, I, I still think it would work, but we would have like eight employees instead of eight. <laughs> It'd be just a little smaller. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, something else, something as I did connect with American Latvian community. I mean, you know, there's many cultures in U.S. and, uh, and um, there's still a lot of people who moved to U.S. from Latvia, like over the, over the years, you know, during the Second World War as refugees. But I could, you know, connected with that community and, and that helped me when I moved back to Latvia because, you know, some people move between you know, countries. They, you know, go back to where their parents were from or, or grandparents. And, something that was crucial for us because they were native speakers and they knew again how to speak to American or audience right and right. that's really cross cultures and that is so important when you're marketing in a culture different than your own to have an expat that that knows both cultures intimately and people do make those mistakes right they'll um, I lived in Israel for almost 10 years and I would always do only marketing to Americans. I would help Israelis do marketing to Americans. And I would always say like, I understand Israeli culture enough to help you get out of your own head and reach the expats. Right. You know, but yeah. not the other way around. But knowing, knowing the culture is such a big deal. Can you tell me, I feel like, unless you're about to get there, I want to know what Printful does. Because okay. <laughs> we're talking about it, we're talking about it. But we don't know what it does yet. And I feel like if I was one of the listeners, they'd be like, Okay, okay, what does this thing do exactly? All right, so a Printful, uh, we print t-shirts and other print products for online e-commerce stores. In other words, we make it really easy for somebody to start their online store uh, without having to invest in their own printers or their own facility, hiring staff and workers to print all those orders. You it's sort of like running um, uh, your print business in a cloud, you know, you can, you can pick from 230 different products uh, at Printful. You know, there's an online 
uh, online image generator, sort of like a mini Photoshop. And you know, you figure out your graphics and you put it on a t-shirt, it generates a mock-up how the end product is gonna look and you push it to your online store. Uh, and we integrate with about 20 platforms, uh, you know, places like Shopify and, and Wix and Squarespace and so on. And we integrate with marketplaces too, like Etsy, Amazon, eBay, et cetera. So, and it's print on demand. So let's, um, I want to clarify terms for the audience a little bit, right? Because you guys are drop shippers. And we, we had an interview with another guy who did drop shipping, but a while back. So drop shipping, the way I understand it, and I work primarily in service businesses, um, is uh, where the product never touches the hands of the seller, right? It goes straight from you, right? It's an on demand. So they get it. They ask you for it and you drop ship it straight to the purchaser, but the money flows through them. Right. Uh, yes. So dropshipping is usually ready-made goods, you know, that are pre-made and sitting somewhere in a, you know, a warehouse to be dropshipped to the customer who bought it. Sometimes the seller might, you know, order a sample to check out the quality. The way print-on-demand is different is that we are not selling ready-made goods. We, you know, we have blanks or fabric or you know, blank phone cases in stock, and we only print when there's an order. So that's where the on-demand parts comes from. So we don't, you know, actually do or create any products if someone has not bought it yet. You know, it's better for- I love for that. Them. Yeah, it was better oh, for them. You and I spoke before we started. Oh, sorry. <laughs> You're talking at the same time. You got it. No, so that's kind of the, what's their on-demand part comes from. So, the, you know, it serves multiple purposes. Better for environment. You know, there's not unsold products sitting somewhere that you have to discount. Uh, but also, um, the seller doesn't take a risk by paying uh, for inventory that the seller might not sell. So the seller uh, always makes money on each sale. You know, you you know we have we we are the fulfiller behind the seller. Uh, we are we have our wholesale price, and then they put a retail price that they market to their customer, and you know they always put a price that they're always going to make money. Uh, and if they don't make a sale, they don't have to pay anything. There's no subscription fees, you know, all the fixed costs uh, are going to Printful. You know, we pay the fixed costs for our employee wages if there's less orders, if, you know, there's rent, stuff and stuff like that in place. And so this concept, uh, uh, you know, is so popular because you really can, you know, do it from your home, like, you know, a lot of the cases says, and you, you know, you have to work on your designs and your marketing, your brand, et cetera. And we're going to do a lot of heavy lifting uh, for the for the for the sellers behind the scenes, you know. And another thing, a small seller, uh, it would be very difficult for them to get access to the the newest tech printing technology, right? So right now we're buying, um, you know, direct to garment printers, which can print one-off T-shirts. You know, we don't print, and you know, it's each T-shirt could be unique, and that printer costs uh, around half a million dollars. And we have many. Oh my many gosh. <laughs> that is that is a lot of money for for one device yes but you know a small a small business owner would not you yeah. know you know spend that money for some for some you know printing a graphic design idea that they don't know it's going to work so we do that on their behalf but through us they you know all these customers get access to the level of printing only previously available to large companies who can afford those you know half a million printers so we, you know, by now we have spent more than $30 million in all kinds of equipment and all kinds of facilities. So the smaller business owner kind of can 
gets access to that enterprise level quality and fulfillment uh, that you know was only previously available to big brands. And this has happened across the e-commerce. So we're, we're doing that thing for print on demand, but like the Shopify and Wixes and Squarespaces, you know, previously you had to use enterprise level software to get, get all these e-commerce features, all this marketing, but now it's available at, you know, a fraction of the cost that uh, was previously. Totally. And this is why I say there really has never been a better time to run your own business, you know, and, and now with the world being what it is and being in a place of, of instability once again, which again, the only thing that we lost was the illusion of control. We never really had it. Um, being able to generate your own income is the most financially secure you can ever be. And I love this concept because it's so risk-free. You know, like I said to you before we started, I always thought of print on demand as printing books. All right, so I thought we were going to get to talk about, you know, printing your own books today, but instead, I actually like this better, right? We're talking about starting your own business with zero risk, zero overhead, zero anything, all you've got to do, and then you can use social media to get the word out, which also costs you nothing. You can start a profitable business from your bedroom with no money invested and just start earning overnight. And it's amazing. And there was never a time like this in the world before ever ever and the technology has been moving and moving towards this so here's my question though who would do something like this i'll tell you where i can see it and tell me if if this is on track like i could see using something like this even in my own business let's say for gifting you know where i have a design and when i either want to gift a client or i want to gift uh, a partner or, or a connection that I have something custom or a custom kit printed up and shipped out instead of ordering 5,000 of something, then changing my mind later, you know, I can order on demand, you know, gifts to be printed and customized. Um, but that's not running a business off it. That's, that's much more like a swag, like an extra. I could see influencers doing it or like they have their own stuff, but they don't want to do inventory, but who else creatives maybe? Um, people who have designs, but like what person sits there and says, you know, I'm going to put a dog on a t-shirt and try to sell it. Like, I don't, you know what I'm saying? Who does it? I mean, uh, surprisingly, a lot of people, uh, a lot of but, people put dogs yeah. on t-shirts and then try to sell them. Got it. Right. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, that's, uh, so. Okay. In addition to t-shirts, what are some of the other, you've like 230 items. What are some of the other categories of stuff? There's phone cases, there's mugs, there's uh, posters, etc. But you know, so generally, Swag type things. You know, generally we sell apparel. Most of the, you okay. know, corporate mostly apparel. When you look at internet and e-commerce, that is the biggest category on e-commerce. There's no bigger category in e-commerce than selling clothing online. So you know that we're you know tapping in a large um, category, and and you know a lot of our customers, yes, they are, some of them are influencers. So like, you know, Instagram has, you know, increasing, YouTube is increasing. So at some point you have to monetize it and you make surprisingly little from YouTube ads, you know, that ads revenue and the top accounts. Yeah. yeah. I've had, we've had a few people on the show. The first time I had a guy on the show who explained it to me, how like when he gets like a million views in India, it doesn't pay him nearly as much as, you know, a million views in Los Angeles. Um, but yeah, surprisingly little. Right. So then you're, you know, geared, you're looking for other means to monetize that million audience that you might have. So then you're promoting products and stuff like that. But you also like, 
there's a, maybe a million fans out there. Like, you know, they don't want to, you know, your stuff. And so they're going to buy a t-shirt, a mug, and a phone case with uh, your logo or your design on it. So we, a lot of our customers are influencers, YouTube stars like that, online gamers. Uh, you know, streaming is big, right? So they want to... Uh, Wait, why? Oh, online gamer influencers. Right. Yeah, streamers. Okay. Um, yeah, streamers. Like yeah, because I'm like, why would an online gamer why have their own stuff? Yeah. Yeah, so yeah. same thing. Just got it. God, for those listeners, for me to translate, I, I sometimes, I just always have to remember, like, not everyone knows all terminology. So online gaming is huge. An online gamer streamer is someone who is broadcasting themselves playing the online games. And they have, some of them, huge, like, insanely huge followings. It's almost like sports fans, I feel like. You know, it's, they live vicariously through the other player, the same way people, like, will watch football. And, like, instead of playing it, they'll watch someone else play an online game instead of playing it <laughs> or sometimes yeah. to learn how to play it better either one right but yeah it's not only influencers i guess the biggest category of our customers are people who know some niche like so okay. we there, there would be a there would be a seller who is let's say a nurse and they would just make designs around the you know what whatever the nurses are doing <laughs> and uh, and you know or like we saw medical students there was just a t-shirt store for uh, designs and uh, sayings on t-shirts and mugs that only medical students would understand. They are swimmers. Like there was like a swimming, you know, athlete, uh, you know, professional swimmers, right? If you want to become a professional swimmer. So just designs around only that. So th there's these niches and the, ni the U.S. is big enough and just the English speaking community around the world is big enough that you can just make designs for swimmers and and yeah and make money uh and we had you know that is a pretty big you know you know a really narrow niche but you can still make you know a single solo entrepreneur money some of the niches that are way bigger that still says a lot are things like dogs right I mean, imagine how many people love dogs on the internet and and uh, you can make um you know you can make designs around it you know, you can make designs only for Sheltie owners, I don't know, or Corgi owners. And, right. and uh, so that is the, actually the biggest amount of uh, customers we have. You know, they are passionate about, you know, X, Y, Z. They understand their niche. They know how to target them using online advertising or social media or, you know, Reddit groups or Facebook groups and stuff like that. And they just, uh, they just need a, you know, a printing partner is going to help those ideas become true and drop ship their designs directly to the, to their, uh, customer, uh, without, you know, you know, customer doesn't know who's printing. It feels like the, the small business. Totally. I love that. Now that's really, really cool. I guess in my head, I imagine like the fit of these things are all like souvenir t-shirts you'd pick up at like a gift shop, but it's probably not. It's like real clothes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh, souvenir gift shops are more like single-use items. Uh, uh, we, right. we are, so when something's printed on demand, uh, you know, something that this technology also names each design can be personalized. So, uh, you know, each design for each. Oh, uh, that's amazing! Because each item is single printed, so you can put the person's name or their own picture or anything like that. Yes. So when you can personalize, people uh, are more open to spend a little more per item. So they can just, you know, if a mug is personalized, uh, it's gonna, you know, if someone special gifted you a mug or a t-shirt with their own design, uh, you know, you, you are, you know, special. You're gonna hold on to you, you will assign a higher value to it. So 
a lot of our customers are able to sell t-shirts and other print products successfully because they are personalized people will spend more money they're willing to wait they understand that this is printed on demand this is not amazon prime so it's going to take a little more um but about how uh, long does it take what's the lead time so right now it's pandemic so we're you know crazy crazy (laughs) time but in, in normal times, uh, we mostly print almost all of our products on average in three days. And then on top of that, you add the shipping time and you can pay right. for you know, expedited shipping on regular shops. Got it. Hey guys, thank you so much for listening to part one of this episode. Stay tuned for part two going live Thursday. And of course, subscribe. You do not want to miss this. a lot of online courses out there and lots of online course academies. So when you want to learn something new, how do you choose? Well, it depends what you're looking for. And if you're looking for the best way to get a premium university level education, then edX is your answer. With over 100 million course enrollments and 152 global partners, you can learn everything from marketing, my personal favorite, to coding, languages, to management skill, and everything in between. You can pay for edX courses to get the full experience and earn verified certificates. But if all you need is to upgrade your skills or knowledge, many can be audited for free. So I don't know what you're waiting for. I checked out edX as soon as I heard this and you should go right now or whenever you're not driving to sign up at edX with our link, www.edX.org breakthrough. That's www.edx.org slash breakthrough to get a special discount and access to incredible learning certifications and even degrees. www.edx.org slash breakthrough. You've been listening to the Business Breakthrough Podcast with SD Rand. If you're looking for a breakthrough in your business, reach out at sdrand.com slash breakthrough to be a guest on the show. Everyone's got a business struggle. What's yours?